just the time I feel that I've been caught in a marvelous hand. And just the time I feel my mind's been marked by worldly Jesus. Uh-huh. 
Lord Jesus, Lord, we come to you tonight, Lord. There's a, a desire in our heart to know you more, Lord God. Lord, when the daily things and things of this life have been set aside, when sometimes even at that first verse would say, uh, sometimes our heart grows so cold and it seems like we're at the end, but oh, there's something that comes from inside and says, oh, I want to know you more. Lord, we come to you tonight, Lord Jesus. Lord, we, I, I don't know all the things of the week, Lord. We've all had a week that we've come through, but we come now and we just want to come and turn our eyes on you now for a few minutes, Lord, that you'd come. Lord, you'd meet our needs, Lord. Lord, there could be deep needs. There could be people facing difficult things. There could be trials and circumstances, temptations, questions, wonderings. There could be victory. There could be a, whatever it would be, but Lord, I just pray you'd come now. Take the speaker, take the hearer, Lord. Take me out of the way, Lord. Lord, you know the nerves, you know every part, but Lord, I pray you'd be greater than all of the, the humanity, Lord, that you'd take this vessel, you'd anoint it, you'd anoint the hearer, Lord. I pray you'd meet the needs of your people, Lord. We commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. I want to welcome you to the house of the Lord. How many is happy to be in church tonight? Amen. Thank you, Sam, the musicians, for the, uh, and Julia for the special. God bless you all. And maybe we'll go to our Bibles in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, and then Isaiah, chapter 45. If I can title my thought tonight, I, I want to take a little thought that has just been on my heart. I don't know if I can express it how I'd like to, but... By God's grace, we will. Uh, if I could take the thought tonight, looking for freedom. It's where you look, and I'll promise you, you'll find it. That freedom, that something, the desire you have, whatever you've come tonight with, that place you say, I, I'm bound, I, I desire something, I, I desire more of God. Begin to look for it, and it will come. It has to. Looking for freedom. I, Hebrews chapter 12. I might just read the first two verses. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He had a, a contradiction of sinners around him. He had people crying all kinds of things. He had, he had disciples that had forsaken him. But he had something set before him, a joy that was set before him, and he looked to that, and he went through the cross. He went through it all because of where he was looking and what he was focused on. Isaiah chapter 45. Verse 22, Isaiah 45, verse 22. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. I think that would be the scripture that a young boy named Charles Spurgeon would stumble into a, a snowy church, Methodist church or something like that on, a, on an evening, and that would be the scripture that the brother would preach from and he'd be saved and begin to become a, a preacher that would be used. Look unto me 
and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. God bless you. You can have your seats tonight. Look. Brother Branham would preach the message, looking unto Jesus. And he'd read that scripture, look unto me, and he would say, I know that's not very much of a reading of the scripture, but it's sufficient because it's eternal. It's God's word. And if I should call this a text for now, about 20 minutes or 30, he'd say, I want to say, looking unto Jesus. He says, there's been a call for years of this scripture, look unto me, ye ends of the earth. And, and he says, I'd like to turn that just a little bit. He says, he says, look especially unto me at the end of each world system, not just at the ends of the earth from the, the far reaches and from the far, but now that we're at the end of the time, we're at the end of everything, we're at the end of the world system, he always makes himself known so real at the end of a world system when it's coming to an end. He makes it so real. Look unto me, all ye ends of the earth. And I can say tonight, we're the ends of the earth. At the end of the earth. And there's a place to look. As young people, there's a place to look. The scripture says the ends, the ends of the earth. Many say, we've heard this for many years, look unto me. Look unto me. Well, it's true. But the thing and the question I want to look at even tonight is, what do you see when you look? What did you see when you looked and if you didn't see what you wanted to see when you looked, keep looking. If you didn't get the freedom you wanted when you first looked, keep on looking. Don't stop looking until you see what you're supposed to be seeing, until you see what you're supposed to be looking for. You've been asked many a long time, look unto me. When you hear people say look, if they mention the word look, many times it means to, to pay attention to, to look, to look up, to look at, to look out. Look, when someone says look, they've saw something, they have saw something already, and then they're saying, look, did you, see, did you see the shooting star that Brother Andrew was talking about? Did you see this? Did you see that? There's something that someone has saw, and they want to alert your attention to it, and they say, look, look, there's something that they've seen. And I wonder, in a time that we're living in now, what could we look to in today's world, in today's time, that would be more solid than the King of Kings and then the Lord of Lords? God is the Word, so look to the Word of God today. Today for your answer. The Bible has the answer for this day. It's had it for other days. But the Bible has the answer for every situation, for every struggle, for every trial that we all go through tonight. For whatever we're up against tonight, the Bible has the answer because the Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ being revealed since the foundation of the world. God says, look to me. And you say, well, I've done that. I've looked. I've saw it depends on what you looked for. You say, I, I, looked, I looked at Christ. I was born in the message. I was raised in this message. I've seen the picture of the cloud. I've, I've seen that picture that, that hung over Brother Branham in Houston. I, I've seen the Hoffman's head of Christ. I, I've even looked and I've saw something in my heart that began to strike in my heart. It would get to be strangely warmed. I, I've seen it. I've looked. But I'm still struggling in a spot that just doesn't seem like my life is where it ought to be. I've looked what were you looking for? It determines what you look at. What you get is where and what you look for. What are you looking at? What purpose do you have in looking at him? It only depends on what you look for. That's what you'll find. And Brother Branham would begin to talk. and says, looking unto Jesus. Usually people come to a meeting, a religious gathering. Some of them go to find a big crowd of people to sit with. Some people that are introverts hate a big crowd to sit with. 
Oh, I, I hate to say this, it's true. He says, some go to church just to show the clothes they're wearing, he said. Some go to church because they say this is the biggest church in the city. It's got the best name. A certain class of people go to this church. And he says, that's wrong. You're not looking to the right thing that the church is established for. God said, look to me. So we're not just a youth group to look to the youth group. We're not just a youth group to, to look because we're here and to be seen. But there's someone that we ought to see in the middle of all of this. Tonight, there's someone we want to see. I want to see Jesus tonight. Look to me. Many people go to the services just to be seen, and, and sometimes people go to the services. It's too bad to say this, and he says, and we could linger on it a long time, he says, but they go to church with their mind already made up before they go. And I'll say tonight, we can say it's just a youth service, or it's just this, or it's just that. I, I don't even really want to be here. But what if God has something for us? What if we go to church with our mind already made up, but God wants to cut through and say, look to me. Maybe there's something that I can give you. Maybe there's something... Are you looking for freedom tonight? Are you looking for freedom? We could linger on it if people go with their mind made up. If a certain thing is said or something just against their idea, they just get right up and they walk out. They simply won't stand because they've got their own idea of what it must be. Brother Brandon would talk about a service where he, he took a service, he began to preach a service called I Was Not Disobedient to the Heavenly Vision with a group of ministers and denominational people and they already kind of knew where he was going with the thought. They had their preconceived idea where he was going and they one by one began to walk up, these ministers, walk out, these ministers. And he said there was about a third or something left and then he said, I ma he made this and he was just, you're sad, you, you, you're preaching and, and the people just got up and began to leave and these ministers and he said, and he says, I say this out of Christian love. He says, but I say this to sink in. He said, I had better fellowship with, wit with witch doctors in Africa than those Christian ministers. You think, oh my goodness. Because they had went with their mind made up. And they thought, this is not my doctrine. This is not my... May we never have that testimony that, 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 that someone of the world, a ranked sinner, would listen better or would, would have a, a, a more open heart to, to hear what we believe and what we live for. Well, maybe we just be open and say, God, speak to me. Oh, wash me, cleanse me, make me more like you. Let me turn my eyes on Jesus. Tonight we want to come not with our own idea, but say, oh God, what would you have? This generation must reveal Jesus Christ. That's the revelation of him that's promised in the word. This generation, you and me, we must reveal who Jesus Christ is to a dying world by the life that we live. Now, the age we live in is incredibly difficult. Brandon would say each generation is 10 times harder and 10 times worse, which only means you're going to be 10 times better than the last time generation. We should never live with a, with a thought of, oh, it's 10 times harder and woe is me. Oh, no, pick up a sword, pick up a shield and say, then I want to fight. I want to live like a young person, going to be in a rapture, like a young person that would have overcome with, with a way that someone from another age would look at us and say, how did you do it? How did you live that in this generation? Brother Bradham, look, L-O-O-K, look. It's used often when you hear the word. It's usually trying to get someone to see what you're looking at. They say to you, look, and like going down the road, you, someone might see a certain scene and they'd say, look, and then express what it is. It's, it's the mountain, it's the cactus, whatever they're looking at. Everybody today is looking. Everybody is looking for something. Whether it's 
flicking with a thumb or whether it's uh, uh, online somewhere or whether it's going just to leave and go to the mountains or this or that. We're all looking for something. We're all, everyone, every human, it doesn't matter Christian or not. There's a desire to find something that will satisfy inside and set us free from our own human tendencies in nature. We know the whole world is constantly watching the skies, the radar, the screens that we have. Every nation has, a, he says, like a magic eye radar looking for like an atomic missile or something to come in. The whole world is watching at all levels for threats, for danger, for freedom. Everybody is looking. He says the Ford company is looking to make a better Ford. The Chevrolet is looking to make a better Chevrolet. He says Phoenix, he was preaching in Phoenix, is looking to make a bigger and better city or town. The nation is looking for more territory. The church, just the church, is looking for more members. But the bride is looking for the coming of her Lord. That's what we're looking for. And I'll say, even tonight, we look for his coming in our flesh. We look for where he comes and he takes his abode in us and through us. The voice that I'm trying to say to you tonight is like the writer of this epistle. We believe Paul, which is saying, looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus the second time. In order to do it, you've got to see something before you can tell someone else, what you're seeing. Everybody's looking for someone, every, for something. I wonder if we could turn in our Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. We'll turn back to Hebrews, chapter 12. And I want to look at this word in verse 2, just a little bit for a moment. We'll look at Hebrews 12 and Hebrews, chapter 11. And it says, in Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Now that word looking in, in the Greek or Hebrew or whatever it was, it, it means to look away from all else and to look at. It says to look away from all else at this. So it, it's a spot where you, you turn away looking unto Jesus. So there was a distraction, there was a pull, there was the world, there was something. But I'm looking away and I'm looking to Jesus only. But I'm turning my head. How many notice what that is? Yeah, you turn your head. You, I, there's something there, but I'm looking this way. I, I'm not going to go down that path. I look away. That's what that word means, looking unto Jesus. It's a turning to the right, a turning away from the wrong. And there's a, something you do. You turn yourself. In, the, in Hebrews, if we go back just one chapter to the verse to verse um, Hebrews eleven verse twenty six, we'll find that same almost the very similar word. This is talking about Moses, and it says this in, in verse twenty six. He esteemed esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. So there was the treasures of Egypt, and there was the riches of Christ. And he esteemed one greater. He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. That were, that word respect means almost the same thing, to look away from, let me see what, what it says, to look away from all else at an object. So they were turning away and he was looking at something. There was something that he was looking at. Now, if we drop down just one more, couple more verses, verse 27, sorry, one more verse. This is, this is what I want to focus on a little bit tonight. Both parts, to look away from, but then this. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. And I love this word because all it means is seeing. It means to see, perceive, attend to. There's no mention of looking away anymore. 
There's no mention of pulling yourself away. We have that. That's the start of overcoming. It's to turn away. But there comes a point that all you see, it's not a trial anymore. It's not a temptation anymore. Because from the inside, the devil has only become a bystander. By desire, there's nothing else you see. There's nothing you're turning from. There's not, all he saw was him was who is invisible, which is very impossible unless you've got faith. He saw him who was invisible by faith. He wasn't looking away anymore. He was, all he saw was Jesus. In our overcoming walk, in our overcoming life, there's a time where we're going to have the turning, and then there's a time where we're going to see, and we're only going to focus. We're going to build this point, I hope, by God's grace. I want to make a, a demonstration. Brother Judah, can you come up here? I know you're laden down with a book and a Bible. In our Christian walk, come up here. I'm going to be God for a moment. I, don't, I was thinking about how to do this, but I'll just take the, the goal of being God for a moment. But come here. In this, in this daily world, there's so many things that we have to look at. There's so many distractions. In this world, you're looking at a whole room full of people. You could think of them as your friends, the, the pull of something, whatever, temptation. But there's one goal that we ought to have, and that is to keep your eyes on what's right. I'll just leave me at what's right rather than God. At what's right, the more that you look for at what God's given you, the more promise that whatever you have, whatever desire you have, Jesus has the answer. No matter the weakness, no matter the struggle, no matter anything, Jesus has the answer, and the more you keep looking, you look and you keep looking. If you want a wonderful service from Cloverdale, Brother Murphy Wong just preached, look and keep on looking, basically. It's amazing. Look and you keep on looking, you'll get your freedom. It won't matter what distraction comes out. It won't matter what happens. There's nothing that can turn you when you have, and you just keep on looking, and just keep on looking, and just keep on looking. No matter what comes, no matter what happens, no matter what distraction happens, you keep on looking, and you keep on looking, and you keep on looking. Now, how good do you think you are at looking at this point? Pretty good? You got your eyes glued very well. Now, what happens if it got more distracting somehow? Do you think that you'd keep on looking at your freedom? Maybe it moved a little farther away, and it seemed like, you know, it seemed like it was more distant and it just didn't seem like it was quite there. Or What if there's a distraction that keeps trying to pull? You have to turn your eyes away from the distraction. And you have to keep your eyes glued to the only thing that will keep you free. And maybe your freedom seems to move. or maybe, But, but there's, there's a distraction. And, 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 and sometimes it gets real close to the distraction. Sometimes it gets right in your face. Sometimes it tries. It tries to get at you. But here's the goal. Come with me. If you resist the devil and he'll flee, and resist is just to turn him down, and you just leave him behind you, eventually it doesn't really matter. I think this church was shaped as a cross, I believe. This is kind of the middle of the cross even, as, as the layout of the land. But if you have a spot where you begin and everyone look this way, and you begin to see that there's nothing now, he can wave, but there's nothing he can do, because you're, you're free. There, there's no distraction. There's nothing that even bothers you. If you, if you were to, they could add, the devil could pile on more devils. And no one even would notice. Because if you turn and look, 
Where did he come from? But it didn't even matter where he came from. Because there's a place that you were where you were separated from the world, you were separated in your mind and your heart, and you kept following Jesus. Thank you, you can have your seat. And you leave the devil in the dust. Because of where you look, didn't matter what devil popped out of where, and they're not the devil, by no means. I'm sorry for saying it that way. <laughs> where do we look? How do we turn our eyes? And when we can just leave them so far gone, then what? We can be free, completely free. He's out of the picture entirely. He's just a bystander waving off and trying to get your attention. But he's not anywhere anymore. Thank you. God bless you. <laughs> Sometimes there's things that happen happening around us. How many's had this that we can't understand? Others saying that they can see things. Even in the church, I see this or I saw that or God did something for me. We can't understand it, but others see nothing about it. Sometimes we feel like, other people seem to be getting somewhere. I'm getting nowhere. I can't seem to understand what they're grasping. They, that person said they got set free of this or that, and I can't seem to get out of it for nothing. I, I keep going around the bush. I keep going around the... But they, keep looking. Don't stop looking. Maybe God just has to get you a little farther down and, and a little farther away, and more and more he'll be left in the dust. Look at Dothan down there. That day Elijah had been surrounded by the Syrian army. His faithful servant Gehazi was lived with him and waited on him and cooked for him and kept his clothes clean and poured water on his hands, was right with him day and night. It's a good place to be, T teach and preach. And that morning he woke up and he seen the Syrian army. You think what it would be if we were in our own humanity, a whole bunch of guys with swords and spears and chariots on horses. It wouldn't matter if we were in today's world. That'd be terrifying. It, 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 and that morning he woke up, it wouldn't matter if he had a gun. I mean, that's a lot of, <laughs> take a while still. And that morning when he woke up, he looked out. Maybe that's a bad thing to say, but if it's the enemy, I guess it's, you know, in a spiritual way. That morning he woke up and he looked out and seen the Syrian army all around. And he said, my father, alas, look at the opposition we have. It seems like there's just more devils coming out of the woodwork every day, doesn't it? Just, there's just attacks and situation, crisis, this. All the time, it just seems like the intensity of the trials are only getting harder. And they will, but only the intensity of the overcoming will get higher too. Elijah rose up and he looked and he saw something Gehazi didn't see. And so he prayed, God, open this young man's eyes. His eyes were wide open, but he said, open his eyes that he might see, that he might be able to look at it the right way. And when his eyes opened spiritually, the whole mountains was full of chariots of fire, angels all around the prophet. It was different when his eyes came open. Now, people look at the word literally, and that's the way you're supposed to look at it, but it declares that itself both literally and spiritually. It has a compound meaning. The Spirit makes the word to live to the promise. In other words, it's a seed. The words I'm saying now are a seed. They might not even sprout right now, but they might sprout next week or next month or next year. It's a seed, and the Spirit gives it life. It unctionizes. It gives it its goal. Like the rain gives to the seed that's buried in the ground, it breaks forth life. When you look at Jesus as the promised word of the hour, then it will be revealed to you. If you look at him, if you'll see that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, if what he did for someone else, it's the same principle for you. You take at it and you say, well, what, what, what God did for that young man or that young woman, I'm going to keep looking at that. And if, that, if I'm in that same condition, if nothing's wrong, then I'm going to keep looking at it until it's my promise too. I keep looking. I keep looking. I keep 
looking. Focus ourselves, look away from the wrong. Abraham saw it. He didn't look to any of the misunderstanding of the promise. What if he would have looked and said, well, here I am, 75 years old, and such and such a voice spoke to me and said I'm going to have a baby by my wife, but she's 65, around 15, 20 years past menopause. What would he have done if he would have looked at his own? He never paid any attention to what the natural things was. He looked at what God said. It became such a reality to him till he didn't see nothing else but what God said. He had focused his mind to the will of God and the word of God. And I want to say tonight, the word of God says you can be free of whatever binds you. The word of God says you don't even have to get bound up in the first place. We can bypass some of these bondages and things that would try to come on us in our teenage years, in our young years, in our youth. There's things that the devil will try to put on us. There's depressions, anxieties, lusts, suicide. There's all of these things that do not have to come nigh us. They might come at you. The thoughts might come. The thought has every right to come. And you have every right to say no. The thought has every right to come. You're not strange for having the thought hit you. Whatever the thought is, that's just a bird flying over your head. Some of the thoughts that come can be unbelievable sometimes. Like, what? The thoughts will come. They'll only get worse, and you'll only get better at overcoming. Because why? You begin to turn your eyes from that and say, no. And it can take, turn with me to Hebrews 12 one more time. I want to look at a verse here. Verse 11, and we'll read from there. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. And I want to focus on this verse. And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. In our minds... We burn, even science would say, pathways in our minds. You have a habit. You have a, it, it, when, I, when I feel a little stressed, I go on my phone and I open up this app. Or when, I, when I, I, I go to the fridge and I have food or whatever. That becomes a pathway in your mind, a little trigger, and you walk down that pathway. And the more you walk down that pathway, the more burned in your mind it becomes, really, and the harder it is to do anything different. And that's just neuro, neurology, and that's also how addictions happen. But I want to say the power of God is always more powerful. Never listen to what science says about addiction and that it's impossible. It's not. And it's not just simply reforming. But when you begin to look at something else, when you begin to realize, you know what, I've got a a problem here and I can't seem to snap out of a temper or a a lust or a habit or or something. I can't seem to get past this. Turn your eyes to the word. Put a promise of God in your mind. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. And then this, make straight paths for your feet, the places that you travel in your mind. Make straight paths for them. Put right thoughts where the wrong used to be. Replace them with a right thought. If that was the wrong thought, think about something else. Begin to look at something else to the place that that's not a thing anymore. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, lest you trip and fall and go back. But begin to let your mind be healed. Begin to let your spirit realm be healed. Where there was a complex that always, when this happened, I'd always feel bad and they always think bad of me. Or Let it be healed. There's a place of freedom 
where we don't have to live in a complex or an anxiety or a fear or a, or a doubt or a depression. Or Let it be healed. Healing does not happen overnight. You have to keep looking. Healing, a miracle can happen, but healing often is the overcoming. Step by step, oh, that thought comes and I'm going to kick it out again. Day after day sometimes, month after month sometimes. But then you begin to look back and realize, I've got a straight path here. I'm free. I've seen it in my own life. I look back and I, I, don't, I'm not, I don't think the same way I used to think. I, I don't struggle in the same way I used to struggle. It's begun to be a straight path. There's a freedom. God's begin to heal a path in my mind. So lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. God's got a path that's healing in your mind, in your spirit, in your life, and in your body. We focus ourselves away from the wrong and begin to let the right in. Make that a habit, to think a good thought, to replace it with a good thought. Negative thoughts in your mind come about someone, just put it a good thought. Think about what they did good. It changes something. It changes something. Remember that boy that had a, had a bicycle contest? There was all the boys, they had a contest, they were going to ride a, a one-foot plank or whatever, 50 feet across the, the whatever it was, and whoever could ride to the end would get a prize. That one boy, what did he do? He only looked at the end. All the other boys went, they all fell off, and he could have begun to look at, well, that one fell off there, and that one was pretty good, and he fell off there, and, and that young person messed up there, and, and that old person messed up there, and that person hurt me, and that person this. And that. But look at the end. How do you ride that little thin plank that is so easy to fall off and fall into another ditch and another ditch? Keep looking. Look for freedom. Look to Christ. Look to the hills from whence cometh your help. Moses, we find out, he, he saw Israel. Moses, the great prophet, he looked out the windows. He was raised in Pharaoh's court, and he looked out the window, and he saw a bunch of mud daubers. There was nothing but half-dressed people with lashes of whips upon their back, and no way at all ever to be delivered. But Moses knew the word of God, and he looked upon them as a promised people. We're not half-beaten down. We're not among a strange cult or something. We're among the promised people of God. He looked upon them as a people that had a promise, no matter how the world that day looked down on them. As a bunch of mud daubers or slaves, he looked on them as people having a promise. Moses seen the victory. Pharaoh didn't. But Moses seen the victory because he had focused himself. Though being a prince, though being an heir to the throne of Egypt, he focused himself away from the lust of the world. He focused himself away from the beauty and the power that he had within his own potentials to receive as the incoming king of the world and as the prince of the day. He focused that out until he's seen a blessed people out yonder by the promise of God. He knowed that God promised Abraham that he would visit his people. And he knew that he was raised up for that purpose. He had a good mother to tell him. And he focused it all out. Pharaoh didn't have that potential. No man, he, he was offered it, Pharaoh, but refused it. And when he refused it, then he couldn't focus. No man, after he's turned down the word of God, can ever focus himself into it. Because you refuse the word that brings you into a relationship with Christ. But Moses, that's not us tonight. Moses looked out, the, out of this window. He believed it. Moses looked by faith. Faith is designed to see what God wills and wants. What's the will of God for my life? Faith will show you. Give it some time. Put it before God. God will lead you down the path. Faith is designed to see what God wills and wants. There's no knowledge that can do it. Faith alone is designed to give to the human race, to find out what the will of God is. Keep looking.
Keep looking at Christ. This is from the message, look. Moses, there was a group of Israelites that had sinned. They had, they had turned away. And, and, and Moses was told to do something. Moses looked by faith. And, and Moses, when the people got in trouble, what did he do? We know the story. He made this brass serpent. And he put it on a pole. And he, and, and he said, when they were bitten by these serpents that were coming in among the people, these devils that were coming in and, and people were dropping off this way, that way, these devils were coming within and, and trying to get at the believers of the day. And there's devils at us right now trying to get at the believers of the day, even in this building. There'd be thoughts, there'd be things coming. Even right now, there could be a mind battle ongoing saying, I don't know this, I don't know. There, there'd be serpents around, but there was something that Moses erected while death was in the land. While there was things all around them, he put a, he put a, a, a stick, a pole on it, and a piece of a tree that was cut down in the wilderness, probably a piece of mesquite or something you'd have, ironwood or whatever, and it might have been separated from its natural growth. It was dead within itself. The brass was probably a piece of helmets from the Romans or something they had in the salvage. It was molded together. He took this brass and he made a serpent. He made a snake. Why would he make a snake? He made a serpent. And if men come out there, just an idol, and they looked at it and tried to worship it, they received nothing. But when the true believer come out there and looked upon that serpent with the spiritual revealed truth where they said, look and live, when they looked at it, the serpent itself being in the form of a serpent, it represented sin already judged. They, they, they seen their sin, their unbelief, and I'll say, you can see your lust or your pride or your temper or whatever. When you look at the cross, you see that brass serpent there, you can see it's already under judgment. What's in your life, that thing that looks insurmountable, is judged already. Christ died for it. If you can just look and live, it's already judged. It's already defeated. It's done. There's nothing that you have to bow to. The only person to bow to is Jesus Christ. When the believer come out and looked on that serpent with the spiritual revealed truth, they seen their sin, their unbelief already under judgment from the serpent from the Garden of Eden. That serpent was made out of brass, which means divine judgment. The altar of the day was made out of brass, brazen altar. Another one, the great prophet Elijah, when he looked up to the skies in the days of his ministry, the three and a half years, there was no water at all. We can get that in our life where it feels like there's no water at all. He said, the skies look like brass. Divine judgment upon an unbelieving nation of the message of God. Their faith was so dim they couldn't see it that day. Elijah had went in. He had prophesied it wouldn't rain. The people had just fallen in idolatry and things and and for three and a half years, the sky was brass. No rain. No presence of God. No outpouring of the Spirit. There was nothing to, to, that, that, that would remind them of the days when the rain would come and the crops would grow. And when they would go to church and the presence of God would fall on them. And they'd feel that surge of the Spirit. It was drought. It was nothing. They couldn't, and they couldn't overcome they couldn't live it. They were living with idols and things that they thought, that they, the, the things of the Amalekites, the things of the world, the things that they couldn't in their own humanity overcome. And there was no rain to help them. There was nothing to help them grow. They got weaker and weaker and weaker. There was, there was a day. God has always had a way for man to look for salvation. That brass serpent, the people had to look at it. That's right. The people had to look at it. 
When a man once catches the vision of the invisible God and knows that he's always present, that there's, there's something that stabilizes that man's thinking. It stabilizes his actions. And in the time of distress and trouble, it'll still make him look upward and above all the things that are happening around him because he's looking at the unseen, yet by promise. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now these verses. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, not cross-eyed and looking this way, and that, but single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. For he'll either hate one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God. And mammon, you can't look at the world and God and be an overcomer because you'll be pulled to the world. But when you turn your eyes, you begin to look and see the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You ever been in a room where, where you have, a, you have a, your phone and, it's, at, and it's, it's bright in the room, right? You're in a dark room and it's bright. And then you walk outside and you can hardly see anymore because there's a greater light. You can't see what's on the phone and... There's a greater light. There's something more real. There's something that illuminates more. This was on my mind. Brother Andrew preached it on Wednesday. and Even tonight, someone could desire that baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's one of the freedoms, if I could say. And it's the ultimate freedom. It's the beginning of freedom. It's the path to go through. We all have to be born again. It's the start of our Christian walk, truly. It's available tonight. And you could say, I've looked. I've been to the altar. I looked. I tried. Keep looking. Keep looking. We can say that, sometimes we, we look at it this way. It can be said, a testimony of receiving the Holy Ghost. Maybe this would help someone. A testimony of receiving the Holy Ghost. We, we say, you know, I, I ran to the altar and I, I, I cried at the altar and I, I beat the altar and I, I got so desperate I wouldn't get up and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And that's good. But I want to say this. You're running to the altar and my running to the altar, I stayed at an altar until I feel like God changed me like I never was before. But what was the moment? It wasn't me running to the altar because my running could never exchange for the Holy Ghost. My tears could never exchange for the Holy Ghost. My beating on the altar wasn't enough to satisfy it. Why? Because it was already satisfied. It was already paid for. My, 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 my tears, my desperation, all of those things were not enough until I looked and saw. When I looked and I saw, I was filled. When I began to turn my eyes and I truly believed it, it might have taken the run, it might have taken the crying, it might have taken beating the altar, the desperation, praying until, and looking until. But what it was really was, it was looking until, until I got it. It was all about when I looked and I saw and I believed and I was filled. I looked and I lived. 
don't just look at it, I have to be so desperate, I don't feel desperate enough. No, look and live. While Peter yet spake the words, the Holy Ghost fell on them. You could say, I'm not baptized yet. Well, while Peter yet spake the words, then they went and got baptized. There's nothing. The only thing is to repent. Turn. Repent is to turn. To turn from the wrong to the right. Repent. Sin is to miss the mark. So when we're missing the mark, turn and and get it in focus. Make it right. Say, God, I'm sorry where I've gotten it wrong. Cleanse me of all unbelief. Cleanse me of all sin, all wrong. If there's something to make right, I'll make it right right after this. But in this moment, fill me. Use me, whatever it would be. Maybe God would even fill you at another moment after it would be all made right, however God would work it. But God can fill you tonight. God can move even tonight. Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall, how many remember Sunday, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The struggle, and I know it well, as a young person growing up in the message, is dealing with stubborn spirits, things that don't want to leave. Things that stick and stay and you go around the, 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 the tree or the, the rut or the wilderness for 40 years, it feels like. Brother Branham, looking at the unseen, I'm told that a snake can catch the eye of a bird. And if he can get the direct hold of that bird, he can make that bird come right out of his roost, flutter around and around and come right into the snake's mouth. I'm told that the eye of a snake is so powerful that when it catches the eye of a bird, it charms him, lures him right down into the snake. And they say that little bird will flutter and flutter coming down. And if it don't quickly start raising its head, if it don't quickly start turning its mind and its eye, if it don't quickly and shaking itself from that snake and not start looking upward, it'll never free itself. We know that with sin. A little feeling comes, a little lust comes, a little something comes, temper, a little bit of this. And we give ourselves to something that's not right again and again. And it, it, that, that snake is, has no power on the ground for a bird. But when you look at it and you keep looking at it, turn your eyes. Look to the one that has freedom. I'm told out here in Barstow Field, he says, I believe they call it that they have these big jet planes, that a jet plane by its travel, when it goes to a certain speed, it hits what they call the sound barrier. And they say that plane struggles and shakes and struggles and shakes while it's trying to get through the sound barrier till it seems like its wings will tear off. And that's what it feels like when we're turning our eyes and we're struggling and we feel like we're going around and around the the rut when we're going in and out and up and down and it seems like it's another high, another low, and another. there comes a point where it seems to get real bad. Why? Because you're almost through the sound barrier. You struggle, and, and it just gets darker, and, and more struggle, and more failure. Don't stop now. Keep looking. Keep beating through the atmosphere. The church, it seems like its wings will tear off. The bolts will rip out of it while it's going through the sound barrier. But once it gets beyond the sound barrier, then the speed is unlimited. And to the church that's sitting here tonight, oh, you're struggling and struggling, and, and God's pulling you and showing you things. You can never get past that sin barrier of unbelief. Oh, then unlimited revival will break out through the United States and everywhere. If you can get beyond the sound barrier, that sin barrier of unbelief, oh, we think, oh, is it true? Does it mean me? 
Could I be healed? Could I be saved? Could I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Get beyond that. Just keep struggling, struggling, struggling until you break through and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I'm telling you, he says, you're beyond it then. There's 50 miles of elbow room. Bible says, we do not see all things, but we do see Jesus. We do not see all, and that's who I want to see. I want to see him, and how do I see him? When I see the fulfilling of his promises. When I see what he said, he does. That's him making himself visible among us. But a stubborn spirit, the Bradham says this, God being misunderstood. And now I believe he's talking about stubbornness, the attribute, or not an attribute, the detraction. But I believe it also can go a little farther than just stubbornness, but to a stubborn spirit. Something that sticks. Something that doesn't want to move, doesn't want to stay, no matter how much you, you could pray it off and fast it off or whatever you want to say. It just feels like it won't go. What do you do? Stubbornness. He says stubbornness, even that thing of stubbornness, is not of God. And the only way to get away from that is to have faith to overcome that. You are a Christian. You're a son, is, from that is you have to have faith to overcome that, that you are a Christian. You are a son or daughter of God, whichever you may be, and you'll never be able to just stand and rebuke it and rebuke it and rebuke it. That's just like tantalizing a rattlesnake. He's laying there. He's just waiting to bite you. If you'll just ignore him and walk away from him, he can't hurt you. These thoughts that come, these things that come, don't even look. Don't even, in your mind, look towards it. Don't even think about it. Don't even dwell on it. Don't try to rebuke it and rebuke Get out. You're tantalizing a rattlesnake. You're tantalizing something that as you begin to turn on it to try to rebuke it, it's, it's looking to draw you in. Turn. Ignore him. So when you feel that you've got a stubborn spirit, lay that thing on the altar and believe God that the thing is dead and you'll never have it no more. Go on, don't even pay attention to it no more, and the thing will leave you. I know it's true. I know that that is true. I've seen it in my life. I can say, look, because I've seen it myself. Know that it's true. The thing will leave you. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. That's get away quickly. Just leave. Like Joseph ran from Potiphar's wife's house. Just leave. Don't even turn to... See, that would be my advice on how to overcome it. We overcome the devil by faith. That's how we overcome all evil, is by faith. So many things come at us. There's lust. I think of suicide. I was listening to a prayer line where, where Brother Bradham would talk to a, a sister, and, and it would say that she was even tempted to suicide at times. And the feeling was, why was she tempted? Because she felt like she crossed the line. I'll say tonight, if you feel like you're up against some line or you've crossed it, if there's even a little bit of a desire for God, you're just fine. You're doing just fine. Keep pressing on. There's no devil that can hold you back that way. Anxiety, depression, these hurts and pain and bitterness and oppression. It can seem so dark. Usually God lets you get to the last end of the road. The last mile of the way. Then he steps in. If you're a seed of Abraham, believe God. Hold his promise for healing, for salvation, for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Whatever it is, whatever the enemy is, God lets you sometimes get right to the end of the road. And it looks worse than it ever did. 
The doctor will say there's not a chance, but you're the seed of Abraham with a promise that you shall possess the gate of every enemy. Oh, that's beautiful to me. Look, look, keep on looking. Don't turn your eyes to anything else. Keep looking, keep your eyes single. Keep focused on the promise. Don't let anything hold you back. What's the secret to freedom? What's the secret to receiving the gift, of the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost? That moment, I, I, I truly saw it. I, I, I looked, I, I didn't maybe know what I was looking at. I thought maybe I'd be strange, or I thought this. But when I looked and I saw Jesus Christ, that revelation to me personally, oh, it's, that's, the, that's the thing that settles it all. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Elijah, one day he, he was looking for something to come. The people had had rain for three and a half, no rain for three and a half years. And he was looking for someone to, something to come to help the people. And he looked. There's Elijah. He looked like, he looked till the old man, 80 something years old, was too tired to climb the mountain. He began fasting and praying. And there was this people that he knew that they had, been, they had, had no rain. They, they had been in drought for so long. They had no presence of God in their lives. They had no freedom. There was 7,000, I, I, if I know the story right, 7,000 hadn't bowed. But there they were, and they needed the rain of God to come. They needed the rain. And I, I say, we need it tonight. We need another outpouring. God told them if they would repent, Something would happen. So he began to look for the rain to come. He began to look. Even tonight, we can begin to look. Where's the rain coming at? We can begin to look. And he said, he sent his servant up. Go up and look. He said, go up on the mountain and look. And something is going to happen. Three and a half years, no rain. Not a cloud. Not even dew falling. But said, go look. Gehazi looked and stood and looked and looked and he didn't see nothing. And we can say that. But we look and we see nothing. We look and we see nothing. He come back down. He says, I don't see nothing. And Elijah said, go back again. He said, amen. Go back and stay till it happens. When we come to an altar, when we come to a spot in our life where we realize, I, 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 why sit here until I perish? Why, why do I sit, keep going around the circle? Stay there then. Maybe that's over the course of weeks in your life where you're in your heart in a position. Maybe that's at an altar and you stay there till midnight until God does something that he's promised he will do for you. Go back again. Elijah goes back, or I mean Gehazi. He looks and he looks and he looks. And Elijah, that little bald head sitting there in the sun, his whiskers and his beard, white beard, little bony arms across his bony knees. And he said, Lord God, as he began to pray, he said, go back now. What was he doing? He was looking for God to take care of his promise. No matter how brassy she looked, how much judgment was upon it, he kept looking. What was he looking for? He kept looking until he saw something just the size of a man's hand. He saw just a little cloud in the sky. Gehazi came back and said, I, I see a cloud. It's about the size of a man's hand. And that was all he needed. Unbelief would have caught that right quick. Well, that, is that the best you can do? Just a little cloud? It might, maybe that's not going to cover the, the whole country of Israel for rain. Is that the best you could do? If that's all you can do, well, take it back. But what was it? There hadn't been a cloud in that sky for three and a half years. There hadn't been a little bit of presence in, the, in, in, in their lives for three and a half years. What was it? He was looking for the supernatural. He knew he knowed only the hand of God could have done that. What did he see? The size of a man's hand, J-E-S-U-S, -S. he had faith. 
F-A-I-T-H. When he saw it, he said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Oh, what was it? He accepted the first move. Oh, when God makes the first move towards us, accept it, run to it, embrace it. Realize that's the sound of an abundance of rain. Oh, he says, oh, unbeliever this morning, I'll say, oh, young person this evening, you have been all scrupled up and caught up in this and that and these things that beat us down. Oh, we've all been there. I know what it's like. Oh, I know what the rut is like. I know what the lows are like. I know what the highs are like. I know what Monday's like. But I know what it's like when God came and there was an abundance of rain that changed me and made me what I am. Oh, by his grace, this morning, who have been all scrupled up, let the Spirit of God open your eyes and show you a little something. Then you start from there. When that, that, that little sound, that little, that little size of a man's hand, that little twinge in your heart, that little something that says, I think I can be filled. I think I can be free. I think God can turn my whole family situation around. I think God can save my loved one. Or God can fulfill his word that he's promised to me. And there's a little something that begins to rise up in your heart, a little faith. Let it grow. Let it grow. You know, you say, I, I've had an experience with God already. I, I had an experience with God on Wednesday or, or Sunday or, or a month ago. Keep looking. There's more of God to be had. Elijah just didn't stop even at the size of a man's hand. Elijah didn't stop looking. There was something more that God was growing. We look at Jonah and he refused to see anything that was contrary, though he was in the belly of a fish. He was down in, Brother Brown would say, the belly of the whale in the bottom of the sea. He said, but that won't hide me. Once more, I'll look upwards to your holy temple. What was he looking at? He couldn't actually see the temple. He said, I, I can't actually see Jesus here tonight. I can't actually see where Jesus was. I was imagining today driving in, what would it look like to actually see? Just a quick visual of what it was to actually see Jesus Christ hanging on a cross. And with the revelation that we have in our hearts, what would that do to us? Because that's what he looked like? He was there naked on a cross for me? If you really got a picture of that little spot in Israel, that little hill, what would it do? But we, we don't see that tonight, but we still can see it tonight. There's something deeper and more real than just seeing the, the see, taste, feel, smell here, the, the situation, the circumstances, the, the Monday morning or the Friday night. There's something more real than that, and it's eternal, and it's speaking to us tonight to say, come up a little higher. Come into freedom. Oh, God, if we could only see the promise of the word that Christ promised, wherever two or three are assembled in my name, I am there in their midst. So we know he's here because we're here together in his name. I am there in their midst, and whatever they ask, they shall receive. If, they could, if we could only see it and the first move and move right into it, don't wait any longer. What are you looking for? God answers your prayer. Places it all around you. You see, well, let me see what would so-and-so say. Don't do that. Look at Christ. Look to what he'd say. He said we're two or three. Jonah refused to see anything that would make him doubt. If the devil says, now, wait a minute, maybe tonight you're, maybe you might be a little better when the revival starts, or might be fair, might be good. Don't wait till the revival starts. Become a part of the revival right now. God wants it to start in you. God wants to start it in the church. Refuse to take anything that would make you doubt. We'll begin to wind down slowly, but the boy, there was a boy that 
Brother Brandon would say a story I heard about, and he would begin to talk about how he was called into a case where there was a young boy that had killed someone, and, and, and Brother Branham went to the governor, I think, of that state and pleaded for his life. And he was supposed to die and, by execution. I guess that's how you die. Um, and Brother Branham pleaded for his life, and he was saved. But he told that in contrast to another story of a young boy that he said that there was one day a mother's boy had killed a man. He was laying there ready to die, and the little mother stood by that governor's door, and they asked, and finally one of the guards, Governor, that mother is out there. I, she wants to see you. And they opened the door and said, Madam, he'll receive you. And the poor little thing, the mother, crawled up on her hands and knees up to his feet, laid his hands, her hands upon his feet, and said, Governor, honorable sir, you're the only man that's left that can spare my son. Please, kind sir, I know he's guilty. He's just as guilty. Your courts of justice found him guilty. And how many of us today are guilty? We know we're guilty. We're subject to death. How, I, he actually killed this boy. He's subject to death. I know that. But sir, as a man, you have no right, she says, to take the life of that boy. God can only give life. God can only take life. Don't do it, sir. And, and it broke that governor's heart so much that the pleading of that mother till he goes down to the jail, to the prison where the boy was sitting at, back in the prison. And the man had built up a complex just about like the church has done. He says, you'll either preach it this way or uh, the way I like it or you won't hear it all. I won't pay attention. The governor walks in and this young boy had built up a complex. He said, son, the governor said, son, I'd like to talk to you. And he said, shut up and get out of here in his cell. He said, son, I've come to help you. He said, I I told you to get out of here. He says, that's the way that people does with the Holy Spirit today. Get out. I, I don't want nothing to do with it. Knocks at the door. If I, if I do it, I'll have to give up my card party or, or the thing that I like. or the, if, I, if I have to turn, I, I, I'll have to give this up or give that up. I'll, I'll give up my church creed. I'll have to give. He's the only one that can give a pardon to you. If you're looking for freedom tonight, what are you looking at? He's the only one. He had looked at so many things, this young boy. He was afraid to look at the man, so he was just turned away. He kept his head turned, and the governor was there. That's the way people do at the altar call. They keep their head turned, and they don't want to hear it. They turn their head from God who's telling them that's the truth. A little voice, like a touch. Oh, Elijah. Elijah heard the rushing blood, fire, smoke. It didn't bother him, but when he heard that little voice come out. So this governor tried his best. He tried to talk to the boy, and, and the boy said, are you gonna, and the boy said, are you going to get out of here, or, or am I going to have to throw you out? What an attitude. The boy said, am I, are, are you going to just leave? Turned around, and the governor said, all right, son, I, I did the best I could do. And when he walked out, the boy looked around, kind of arrogant, and he walked down the hall. And, and when the governor did, the, the, one of the guards stepped out and said, governor, did you, did you do any good? And, and the governor said, no, he wouldn't listen. And the boy jumped. And he grabbed the bars and he said, who was that? He heard something. He said, who was that? And the guard said, well, it was the governor. Come for your pardon. It was too late then. He screamed and he cried and he, he said, think of it. The governor came to my cell and I didn't listen and I turned him down. I wouldn't look. The governor here in my own cell to pardon me and I turned him down and and when they put the rope around his neck, they put the black mask on after he had walked the 13 steps up. And the last words he said, he said, think of it. The governor came to my cell, stood in my cell for pardoning. 
and I turned him down. Oh, there's more than a governor here tonight. Jesus Christ is here. And that little cell, that little prison we find ourselves in called man or woman, he's here to give you pardon. Don't turn him away. Don't do it. Find your purpose that God has brought you for in life. We're in a tremendous hour, friends. You know that. As the old song, he would go on, don't turn his call away tonight. Jesus is calling. Look unto him, all the ends of the earth. Be saved. There is no other but God. Oh, there's no other God. Remember, the brazen serpent on the pole symbolized sin from the Garden of Eden, and it symbolized sin already judged. Whatever we have tonight, it symbolized that up there, when it was raised up, it was already judged and taken care of. All we have to do is look and keep looking. Never turn your eyes from it. Divine judgment had already fallen upon the sin. Whoever looked at that serpent on the pole, accepted the significance of it, was made whole. For this was the work or salvation of the Lord. Watch Elijah when he accepted it. You know his life must have been renewed. He, he said, I, I heard the, the, the abundance of rain. He saw the cloud of the size of a man's hand. And he outran Ahab's chariot. He couldn't climb the mountain before. Now he outran Ahab's chariot all the way back. He, he run before the chariot when, they could, when he couldn't even climb the hill. Get the rain barrels out, he said. I'll say tonight, if God's moving on your heart, get the rain barrels out. Don't just get ready for a little size of cloud the size of a man's hand. Don't get ready just for, you know, it's a good young people service or it's just Brother John. Or but let, realize that God can move in any service at any time, not because of the man or because of anything, but because God's here, because he's moving and he's speaking. It's the truth that man is telling, that's telling the word is telling the truth. Hurry as quick as you can. Don't wait. What are you looking at? What are you waiting for? The hour is later than you think. Get moving towards it as fast as you can. When Elijah saw that move, it was the evidence of an answered prayer. Oh, he said, uh, I'll say this. Are you looking tonight for an evidence that God's here? How many is looking for an evidence that God's here? Hold your hand up. Look at it. What is that? It's the size of a man's hand that says gravity would hold that hand down if it wasn't for the desire in your heart that God put in there. That means there's your evidence. If you need something that God, God's here, he's moving. Let it pull on your heart. Let it grip you. Let it get a hold of you and get a hold of it. Oh, if the people here, if you haven't, Brother Brown, a message, look, if you haven't received the Holy Ghost this morning, if that first little tinkle would say that's the truth, that man telling the word, that's the truth. Then hurry as quick as you can. Don't wait. What are you looking for? What are you waiting for? The hour is later than you think. Get moving towards it as fast as you can. When Elijah saw that move, it was the evidence of an answered prayer. Oh God, I wish that every sick person here this morning that feels that Holy Spirit in our presence now could realize that. That's the evidence of the prayer that you prayed has been answered in the presence of God. Whatever you came with tonight, and then he says, every man who wants the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you'd feel that grand little feeling inside, saying, I believe that's the truth, if you take that, that's the evidence of my answered prayer. Raise up your hand and say, God, I receive it now. Oh, something would take place. Oh, if that grand little feeling is raising in your heart and you realize, I can have my freedom, I can have my deliverance, whatever God's put and promised to me, take that little feeling and begin to say, oh God, I accept it now. I won't hold it back. 
Oh, we know in him is our fullness. In him is all the sufficiency that we have need of. He's my pleasure. He's my life. He's my joy. I don't need a puff of a cigarette to get some kind of relief. Or I take the lily of the valley. Brother Branham says, he's the opium. He's the thing that makes me walk in the clouds. He's my all-sufficient, my hopes, my rest, my God, my Savior. He's my healer. He's all that I need of because I die, we die in him, I'm baptized in him. He's my all-sufficiency. So why would we look away from him tonight? Why would we look away from him tonight? Brother Branham would say that a woman that couldn't have a child, and I'm, I'm winding down, I hope it's okay, but he would say a, a, a woman that couldn't have a child, he would say, maybe if she adopts a baby and, and, and realizes and get used to the feeling of it, it would become easier for her to accept it. And she would be able to relax and, and have the child. He would say, he would call that an, an adopted baby. He says, now it's about the same way the people who want to get healed, and I'll say, need the freedom of God or the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If they can have one little visible evidence he says, like Elijah, he says, Gehazi said, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. Elijah said, I hear this, this, the sound of an abundance of rain. He saw the evidence. That's why many times I tell people, he says, go on praising God. Why? He says, it's the adopted baby. He says, it's because it's in their intellectual until it comes to their soul, until they're healed. Then faith makes it right. He says, you got to know what you're doing. He said, so when he would pray for someone, they'd, be, they'd go through the line. He'd say, now go praising God. And I'll say, when God's coming and moving and anointing you, quickening you for the Holy Ghost or for your deliverance, raise your hands and begin to thank him for it. That's the adopted baby. That's accepting that part. And then allowing it to move from just intellectual and working yourself until the place that you can relax. And just look. Just believe him. Just see it and it'll happen in your life. It'll change you entirely. Oh, what are we looking at tonight? What are you looking at? Did you stop in this hideous, hectic day we're living in? What are you looking at? God has placed everything. The troubling of the water and the pool of Bethesda, they just jumped right in. They were looking for it, and they jumped in. The sign of a cloud in, this, in the hand in the sky, Elijah said, that cloud is the size of a man's hand, like the vapor. What was it? He kept believing. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. That cloud became two clouds, Two clouds became a hill. A hill became a mountain. That mountain became another mountain. The first thing you know, the whole skies were thundering. The rain was falling. What was it? He accepted what God sent. He took that cloud the size of a man's hand. Don't look at what you see, how bad I'm crippled, how sick I am, how bound I am, how addicted I am, how, how down I am. What the doctor said, don't look at the unseen. What God said, before you feel any different, before you feel any different, before you feel filled, before you feel sealed or, or free, or before the pain leaves, before the hand moves, before the eye can see one sight, yet make ready, it's going to come. As long as that pulsation begins to rise in your bosom, in your heart, where God sets on the control tower, he says, now I get religious about this time. I think the Holy Spirit can lead a man, tell him things, make him act different. Make him believe things and receive things that the world could never believe, could never happen. I'm a witness, he says. I was a blind man once, practically had to be led. I know what I'm talking about. Oh, can't you feel that pulsation of the Holy Spirit begin to rise in your heart, saying, Jesus Christ is in our midst. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I'll be there. Pulsations moving. 
something, it's pumping energy to your spirit, then let the things that your eyes see black out. That you see not the things of the world. You're believing what God said. You're believing what God said. The musicians would come. How many want something from God tonight? How many has a desire from God tonight? Maybe it's, I need the will of God in my life. Or I, I, I have something that I'm up against that I just can't seem to I keep hitting against or I keep going up against. I need the Holy Ghost and I know I do. And I don't even feel in my heart enough motivation to really try. I don't feel like tonight's my night. But just begin to look. It's not, it, 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 it's, it's everything in life to receive the Holy Ghost. It's the ultimate And then it starts you on a journey and there's more and it grows. But I'll say also, it's not that hard. It's dying out. It's saying, God, I believe you. I know you're true. I know you're real. There's something in my life. I've always felt a little different than all the kids in school. I've always felt a little different than this or that. I've felt like there's something, even though sometimes the, the preacher screams and yells or whatever and there's all these things. But there's something that's true that strikes down in my heart. You say, I've I've been raised in this. I've come to young people's for years. Me too. But I need something more. I can't keep going around the circle that I keep going. We could all bow our heads. I can't keep going around the circle I've been going. I don't want to stay here anymore. And and if I fall tomorrow, I'm going to keep looking. I'll say tonight, you don't have to fall tomorrow. And even if you do, Look, keep looking. Never stop looking until that something is so overtaking you. I know what it is to, to bump up against a sin I couldn't overcome. And you'd hit it and you'd fail and you'd hit it and you'd, and you'd come to an altar and God would even deliver you and you'd fall back again and you'd fall back again. But I know what it's like to be free. I know what it is when the desire is just stripped away and there's something on the inside that pushes out freedom. I've looked, I've tasted, I see, I know it's good. Oh, tonight, maybe there's something that you need to give to God and say, God, I can't do it, but you can. I don't see all things, but I do see Jesus. I need your answers in my life. I, I need your freedom. I need, I've been in a trial so long. I've been without the rain for three and a half years and I need morning to come. Oh, God. Lord Jesus, we come to you tonight. Lord, I just give you everything that was said now, and I I don't know how to do this well. Lord, I come and I give it to you. I pray, Lord God, that you would have the freedom to move through the building to wherever the heart is that would needed to hear this, Lord. That we'd look and turn our eyes on Jesus, and all the things of this world would go strangely dim. Lord, that you'd come and bring a freedom like never before. Oh, we're, we're, we're young, we'll struggle, we'll strive, we'll, we'll, we'll fall, we'll fail, we'll make a mess of things again and again. That's part of the human experience sometimes in our flesh. But if we can keep looking, if we can look until, until Brother Brandon would say that the problem is sometimes we don't look long enough. We don't stay long enough. Elijah kept looking. He sent Gehazi out another time and another time and another service, another young people's service. Naaman dipped time after time in the Jordan River. And there was one day 
where it all came. He was free. He was healed. Oh, Jesus. I pray you'd come now, Lord, and I know you're here. Would you take us in your hands? Would you fill us with your spirit, oh God? Would you live through us? That's really what the new birth is, is you being born in us and coming alive. The water, the blood, the spirit of life coming in, the newborn baby. It cries, it screams, but, but it's alive. And there's a life that's eternal, it can't die. And that life grows and overtakes everything. And it's not a scary thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's not even a difficult thing. It's, it's just accepting it and it accepting you. Lord, I pray you take every young person, everyone that'd be here, Lord, that's come, that you'd refill us, Lord. If we need a refilling, if we need to recalibrate our eyes and say, I'm going to turn my eyes back to Christ. Sometimes in these life situations and crises and things that come and go and oh there's this in my family or there's that or there's but if I can look back to Christ he's my deliverer he's my friend's deliverer my brother's deliverer my sister's deliverer my mother my dad whoever needs the delivering even if I don't he can deliver it all I can be an intercessor if I can look oh let's look beyond all the things I pray you'd be welcome, Lord. I pray no one would look away tonight, but we'd look to you and receive the pardon, receive the freedom. We're looking for freedom. I pray you'd come, Lord. And thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. Right now. I lift my hands. I bow my knees and work. Back your throne. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. Let's all stand. Oh, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. Right now.
again.